You're listening to Spartan Up Podcast. We're going to interview somebody every week from all over the world and see what they did in their life to become successful, no matter how they defined it. Is that it? That's it. Yeah. Rolling. Dean Garnassius. Good morning, everybody. We're back here in the beautiful barn in Pittsfield, Vermont. As always, to my left, I've got Sephra. I've got Joe DeSena. I've got Johnny Waite. We're going to talk this morning about Dean Carnassius, legendary ultra marathoner yep. and a honest-to-God DNA-approved or Spartan, certified Spartan. Spartan. He's a Spartan. Is that yeah, he's got so, Spartan blood. So you you've talked it. to him, and you talked to him about what? About how to be a Spartan, or how did he become a Spartan? or Just everything. Why? I mean, he's, he's a solid guy. He gets it done. He drinks some. Um, I don't even want to tell you what he drinks. we got to watch this when, okay. when you see what he drinks to get through his runs. Um, it's not like bodily fluid or I'm anything, not is, it, it? is it? I'm not telling <laughs> you. All right, you gotta watch this, but, but he's got the mindset that'll help you get, be a better parent, set. be a better um, whatever in life. Um, we are here on a rowboat, Dean and I, Dean Carnassus, for Spartan Up <laughs> Podcast, and this is a um, inaugural moment. We're about to hand Dean the original Spartan coin. Wow. That's, Once he uh, gets that, that's that's he, an honor. He is officially a Spartan for life. Wow. Actually, you are a Spartan. Well, I mean, you're my, Spartan, uh, Spartan blood. I, I'm a Spartan racer, okay. a modern day Spartan racer, but I'm also a uh, legitimate Spartan in that my uh, my heritage comes from uh, that area. Yep. So you're you're a badass. <laughs> <laughs> Only half my side. My my mom's half comes from the island, so. Bit of an island boy too, yeah. So you got a little bit of. Are you, are you conflicted many days? Where you're like, you want to kill a few things? <laughs> so I want to go you surfing and I want to yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. slaughter a couple animals. Yeah. <laughs> Did you always know you had this uh, gene? Like. Yeah, I mean, I that, knew but that, that was, it meant something. That. No, I never. When I was a kid, you know, people would say, "Oh, you're a Spartan. You're a Spartan." And you know, I thought, okay, the Spartans play the Trojans in football. You know, and I, I had no idea what it meant. And then as I got older started studying a little bit about Greek culture and Greek history, uh, took on a whole new meaning. And then, you know, to be invited to go to Sparta and meet all these people that freaking look exactly like me. Really? Oh, unbelievable. Really? I'm like, yeah, they're, you know, distant cousins and stuff. But yeah, the, the gene pool in that area is, <laughs> stays pretty refined. Yeah. Wow. All right, we're back. We've got a little windy for the Spartan over here. <laughs> you want to sit I down? I can't take wind in my hair. <laughs> Make up. <laughs> so, so, um, Tell us about Spartan history. Tell us what you learned. Yeah, so uh, the Spartans were a city-state in Greece, and the Spartans rose to prominence at the same time as the Athenians. The Athenians uh, focused more on arts and uh, mathematics, science, uh, architecture. Uh, the Spartans were military leaders. They said, we're gonna protect Sparta, come hell or high water. And come uh, 14, 490 BC, it, hell came uh, in, the, in the form of Persians, invasion Persians. And so uh, they landed in a place called Marathon, which is on the shoreline near Athens. And um, the Athenians heard about this and they said, we, we need help. We need to send someone to recruit the Spartans because these guys know how to fight. So they sent this guy named Pheidippides uh, 153 miles to run to Sparta. He got there. Um, within 36 hours and said to the Spartans, uh, help, <laughs> you know, we, we need your help. Did he and, collapse when he got there? Uh, actually, he he, um, he got back to Marathon and then when, when the Spartans arrived and they, the uh, Greeks beat the Persians, he ran back to Athens to announce victory and he busted into the Acropolis, he screamed, 
Nicodemus, Nicodemus, or Nike, Nike, we are victorious. And then he dropped dead. Yeah. <laughs> that was a hell of a run. <laughs> right to your death. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, these Spartans, I mean, the, they used to take the kids from the family at six years old, literally, and indoctrinate them into military lifestyle. And these kids were fed basically porridge, daily porridge, and when they showered, which is not often, it was a cold shower. And these were tough, hard people. They said a tough upbringing, a tough land creates a tough warrior. And these guys were tough. I mean, when they went into battle, uh, those shields you've seen them carry, those I've carried one of those shields, they're 75 pounds. Wow. They had an armored breastplate on. Those th those thrusting spears are about 40 pounds. Wow. Yeah, and they, well, you know, they had the helmet on as well, so a bronze helmet. So they're pretty and, strong people. And they used to run across the battlefield. That's 75-pound shield, 40-pound thrusting spear. spear, charging across the battlefield, up to a mile at full sprint. So, you know, when I do your races, that's what I think about. Wow. Yeah. So it's not different, really, than the way we raise our kids. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of internet here, you know, hopping mommy's SUV in her little Range Rover. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they used to, they used to make the kids steal, right? Uh, the yeah, the, well, they, it was a craft. Yeah, they used to, well, it, was, it wasn't just stealing, it was being able to get away with it. Because they thought that uh, the Spartan, what they called the uh, uh, Spartanate um, infiltrators could go into a village and kind of like a ninja pilfage at night without being caught detected so that's the way they used to have the kids do it is practice in sparta thing is the punishment if they were caught was legit <laughs> so they didn't just say oh bummer bobby you got caught they're like here's you know 20 lashes basically i mean they they were they showed no mercy to these kids yeah they were no pretty mercy. serious about it yeah so um you've obviously got some of that blood we talked about that and and you run hundreds of miles for fun Right, I mean, you, you said to me um, just recently, you said you want to be a great runner, you got to pick your, the right parents. Yeah, I right? think that's, if you want, you know, that's the secret to being a long distance runner is uh, choosing your parents well. So, so clearly you got the right bloodline. Bloodline, and you know, it's uh, hereditary plays so much of a part because uh, my biomechanics, for instance, are, are really true. My alignment is good. I don't pronate or supinate. And you know, you can't, you can't work out to make your alignment. I mean, that's, you inherit that from your parents, so. Sure. That's a, yeah. but you, and you got the right mindset. You think the mindset comes from um, that heritage? I would say without a doubt. And I think, you know, you share that we're, we're kindred saints uh, in, in, that, uh, in that regard. I mean, um, you, you know, you run a 100 miles race, the first 50 with your legs, uh, the next 50 with your mind. Yeah. So what could we uh, take from all that and share with the, the people watching um, that they could apply to their own lives, right? They're stuck on the couch, they're eating a pizza, watching Oprah. <laughs> they're, not, they're not motivated. Or, or, or they're, they're doing okay, but they're just not getting ahead. They feel like they're in quicksand. Yeah. Like, what are some of these attributes we could learn from, from the long distance running, from, from your background, that we could share? I think one is to set goals. And when I say set goals, when I talk to runners, I mean, I say, you know, um, they're saying, I'm thinking about running a marathon. You know, I've run a half marathon, I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it. You can hear that for years, right? I say, <laughs> you know, put some skin in the game, sign up for an event, put some money on the table, and then email your, all your friends and say, hey, I'm running this and I'm running for charity. Pick a charity you, uh, you most admire, and that puts some pressure on you. Because when you want to come home and have some pizza, and drink a beer, you're thinking six months down the road, I got a freaking marathon coming up. Right. So you get after it, yeah. Now you're on the hook. You're on the hook, yeah. All right, so commitment is big. What else? What other um, attributes? I mean, you don't you don't wake up uh, on weekends and run 75 miles because you got a uh, you know you told your friends you're doing a race. Why do you do it? You know, you, you find your passion. 
So for me, um, running is my passion, and when I race all the time, you know, I'm constantly, uh, you know, on a, on a set training block, and that's fun. I like racing, uh, but sometimes I just like running for the pure joy of running, just for the experience of running. So that's where I'll just head out all night, you know, and just run for 18, 20 hours. See what I run 75, 80 miles. Yeah, just I, you know, anywhere. Pick a trail, pick a road. And so what if somebody says, yeah, but my passion is um, donuts and Oprah. <laughs> Someone says, you know, you got to listen to your body, right? And I, I always say, you know, if I listen to my body, I'll be sitting on the couch all day eating pizza and drinking beer because that's right. what my body wants to do. Right. Uh, but I think there's an amount of, uh, of discipline you have to have as an athlete. And uh, discipline is learned through baby steps. Um, you don't all of a sudden, you know, take on the world. You take minor, minor little steps. And every practice you do, I say, evaluate everything you do to look, am I taking a disciplined action? No matter how small that action is, am I conducting myself with discipline? In other words, in other words, it's uh, 9.30 at night, and uh, you already ate dinner, and you can go to bed, or you can hang out with your friends for a couple hours, right? Seems like a simple decision, staying up late, but does it really make the boat go faster, is what you're saying, right? I, I agree. I think, you know, you hear a lot of athletes talk about sacrifice, and I mean, yeah, you gotta make trade-offs. I haven't seen a, a movie, you know, I haven't been to the movies, in years, it's just I, I don't have time for it. You know, yeah. if, if I want to be the man I want to be, I've got to make sacrifices and some entertainment. You were telling me Star Wars was the last movie you saw. <laughs> <laughs> it was E.T. <laughs> E.T. was the last one. <laughs> yeah. It's a <hell> of sacrifice. <laughs> but I mean, that's what, life. That's yeah. what the Spartans did, right? Yep. Yep. And so I don't think it's just about being an athlete. It's about life in general. You're probably going to be more successful across anything you do if you want to put off the immediate gratification, right, for a longer-term goal. I think that's an attribute of successful people is delayed gratification is something they can live with. And um, I think that's uh, a, a skill set that's necessary no matter what because um, if you want to achieve a goal, <laughs> there's, no way, there's no easy way to do it. There's no shortcut. There's no path of least resistance. Right. you got to pay your dues. you got to commit. you got to sacrifice. Not everybody's willing to do that. I mean, no. that is that the difference? I think, um, I think people, you know, they confuse comfort with, uh, with happiness, and they think if I'm comfortable, if in the absence of pain, I'll, I'll be fulfilled and happy. And what they find is that's not the case at all. Uh, when I'm happiest is when I'm struggling, and when I'm under great pressure and duress and trying to achieve a goal. Uh, that's when we feel most alive, not when we're comfortable. Diamonds come from coal under pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why don't we uh, take a break? You and I will go do a few laps around this boat. As long as I don't have to do burpees with you, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I've done more burpees in the last two days than I've done in years, yeah. I hope you're not sitting still while you listen. If you are, you better get a burpee break in. I gotta be honest, that was a little ridiculous. I know you got the coin and everything. I thought we were going for a little run, but 75 miles on a boat? <laughs> Couple of laughs, come on. What's 800 laughs on a boat as it's moving? Yeah. That was aggressive. So, so, but you talked about passion on that run. You kept saying, keep up with me, Joe. You gotta be passionate about this. Explain that. You know, I think a lot of people um, are so afraid to pursue their passion because, you know, they've got a comfortable job, you know, they've got the 401, you know, 401k matching program, healthcare, and they think, geez, you know, I really want to be a, a basket weaver, like I just, that's my passion, but, you know, I just can't, I can't get away, you know, I've got to work, I've got to do this and that. And they live this kind of life of quiet desperation. And I always tell people, you know what, if you love basket weaving, 
Be the best darn basket weaver in the world. Throw your heart and soul and your passion in it and you will make a go of it. You will find a way to do it. You work harder than you ever have worked before, but it won't even feel like work. You love it. You love it. And you know, they, I, But what about those people that say, I don't know, right? And then what I find is then they're in this mode of indecision and they don't end up doing anything because they don't know what they're passionate about. So then I say, I don't know if you agree with this, just get moving. Because that leads to something and then leads to something else. And before you know it, you find something. Agree with well, that? Or? Yeah, I agree that physical movement generates thoughts and, you know, get your mind working. I also think that um, people, you know, the North Face, one of my sponsors, has this motto, never stop exploring. And I hope that plug was okay. Oh, perfectly <laughs> yeah. fine. But perfectly I, fine. I love that motto. Explore uh. different things. Experiment. You know, step out of your comfort zone. Try new things. And that's how you find what you really are passionate about. Yeah, just get out there and get moving and get out over your skis. You believe in being... Exi sign up for Spartan Race. There you go. <laughs> sign That'll take plot. you out of your comfort plot. zone real quickly, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? So you, you do these amazingly long, grueling races, running, you know, 300 miles straight, and, and yet um, you found Spartan Race challenging. You know, I just, I love obstacle course racing, and I yeah. think that, uh, you know, too many runners just run, and I don't want to be one of those guys. I mean, I've, uh, my whole, you know, athletic career, I've, you know, been a mountain biker, a surfer, a snowboarder, you know, rock climber, all this stuff. And um, the Spartan races just combine all that with, with endurance, with running. Um, you know, the, the sprint distance is a little too, too quick for me, so I did a couple, couple loops. Couple loops. But, uh, yeah, I really like the beast. I, of course, I want to do the ultra, yeah. The ultra in um, Lake Tahoe. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be fun. Yeah. That's going to be fun. So when do you know if you've gone far enough? So you pick a route, you've got this plan, right? You've got this passion, and or in your case, 150 mile, whatever, and you're hurting, your knee's hurting. When do you quit? Is uh, there a time to quit when you're, when you, you know, you're really focused on a goal, you're trying to get ahead or run a business, whatever? Well, for, you know, for me, when the, the, the time, there's never a time to quit. And you never know how far you're gonna go until you fail. And so I always say, push yourself to failure. I mean, so many people are, you know, we're programmed, you know, failure is not an option. Hell yes, it is. <laughs> Fail boldly. Bite off more than you can chew. Make a, you know, I failed spectacularly. You learn so much from failure. You know, you win a race, you do something successful, you just kind of high five, have a drink. Yeah, rah -ha. And You fail and you really start analyzing the situation and you get very introspective. Like, why did I fail? Where did I come up short? What could I have done differently? You know, what, what were the factors that led to this? So push yourself repeatedly to failure is, is a way to grow. I think I agree with that. I, um, I, was, I was wondering about the mountain climber too, that you know, he's about to summit, he's 100 meters from the top, and, or her, or she, and the weather comes in. You turn around? <laughs> what, what do you, what That's do you, why I was never a good mountain climber. <laughs> Sparta, yeah. 300, yeah, there's 10,000 Persians charging. We can do these guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess, uh, you know, to know your limits is to go beyond them. And uh, as far as judgment calls like that, I'm probably not the best. Yeah. In other words, you'll push. I'll push. And, you know, the problem is, I, I, you know, knock on wood, I've never had an injury through running. So I've never had an overuse injury or, a, you know, fallen or anything and people say when should I stop and I'm just like keep going but that's you know I always say to people listen to everyone follow no one uh, that might not be the right recipe for them but for me I always just push through it yeah give us um, a really bold failure yeah well, I've had plenty but I mean I'll tell you about a race you've done the Badwater um, 135 so it's a 135 mile foot race from uh, Death Valley the uh, Mount Whitney and my first year 
I had planned, prepared, bought, bought tons of food, rented an RV, had my crew, everything all set to go. We had all this stuff in the van. And uh, as we're driving out to Death Valley, this motorhome just fries. The alternator, it just catches fire, literally. All my stuff is gone. And so now that I get in a, a Ranger car, they take me out to the start, and I have nothing but literally running gear and a handheld water bottle. And I say, oh, I can do this, no worries. And it's 126 at the start. And I made it about 72 miles that year and uh, ended up in a hotel room, an air-conditioned hotel room after my crew found me passed out on the side of the road. <laughs> so all that money, I mean, thousands of dollars, you know, untold amounts of training, you know, recruiting these guys, bringing them all to Death Valley. And it was over, you know, in 18 so, hours. So I, I see what you mean, but you're not the one to ask when it comes to <laughs> when you're supposed to fold your cars. <laughs> one bottle of water was not a good idea. No, it was not. That was, yeah. <laughs> so you, you, you wake up in a hotel room, passed out. Your RV's on fire. The crew that you recruited to come out there, their game is over. What'd you learn from that? Oh, I learned a couple things. <laughs> don't bring, bring don't two try bottles. to run, bring two <laughs> bottles of water. Um, no, but I learned the importance of a contingency plan because I just kind of put everything in this one motorhome, thought, okay, we're good to go, and never thought that this thing would, would fry out there and break down. There was no backup plan whatsoever. You know, the backup plan was to run across the desert with one bottle of water. So uh, the next time I went out there, I had um, a couple different, I had a couple minivans as well as an RV, so support vehicles as well. Yeah, a backup plan, so backup plan. what's next? Uh, you know, I once ran 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 continuous days, and you know, people before I did that said that would be impossible, and I thought maybe it is impossible, but until I go out there and try it, I'll never know. So based on that experience, I'm trying to run uh, next year, take off on a global expedition to run a marathon in every country of the world in one year. So a global expedition, there's 198 countries right now. They hit every single one in the spin of the globe. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, logistically challenging? Uh, working with the UN and the State Department. <laughs> and and you're gonna, are you, obviously you're going to go in secession, so it makes sense country by country. You're not going to... Yeah, we're going right. to... There's, well, only 109 countries actually have organized marathons, so the yeah. rest, uh, we're going to have to GPS a route. And, and yeah, we'll try to do it sequentially, yeah, continent by continent, yeah. And who are the big sponsors for that? You got anybody lined up yet? Uh, I can tell you, but I have to kill you. Uh, yeah, you would kill me, so <laughs> yeah. I don't want to. Uh, you know, Virgin, some of the likely characters. Okay. Virgin, uh, we're talking to Range Rover. Yeah. Yeah. A couple nice. of, you know, CNN wants an exclusive on it. Yeah. And then food. How are you going to, I guess you'll just have to buy food on the run. Buy food. I've got the logistics company I'm working with is a great company. They're called uh, Hawkeye Sports and Entertainment. Yeah. And they've done the, uh, they've coordinated the Olympic torch run around the world. Oh, wow. So they're logistics experts. They've got offices across the globe, 24 offices across the globe. They're used to just moving stuff around. Yeah. And, um, and we're going to talk to you maybe about the 431 project being a charity. I, that'd be great. Yeah. We have that, that call's going to happen. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. commit, commit publicly, right? Find your passion. Yep. Have a backup plan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And choose your parents right. <laughs> choose your parents right, yeah. Good stuff. I can't help you the last one. But that was yeah. awesome. Yeah. I don't know what that coin will buy you, but. Dude, that'll get me far, yeah. And I wish, you know, when you finish a sportathlon race, you get a coin like that, but it's about this big and it's oh, bronze. Wow. Nice. The thing weighs like eight pounds. One day uh, I got to share it with you. Uh, yeah, yeah, one I'd day when you're that. on the West Coast. I'd love to see that. Yeah. 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 So, what really jumped out of me in that one that I love is the idea of, um, uh, don't 
look for an easy life. You know, we confuse comfort with happy. And uh, people say, I just wish it was easier. No, don't wish it was easier. Wish you were stronger and make yourself stronger. And I love that, not confusing easy with and comfort with happy. We get to have it hard. Yeah, that's right, right. exactly, yeah. I love right. to get. Yeah, yeah. It's, not, um, it's, not a, it's a privilege. It's well, a privilege. And in our modern day society, it is easy. And I, I mean, yeah, it's different people have different difficulties, but physically compared to the way the world used to be, and, and, and anyone for whom it's not easy, we think the goal is to make it easy. And you know, you've surrounded yourself with people through Spartan Race, through other things you've done here in Pittsfield, with people who are going out of their way to find difficulty. And certainly Dean's a guy who's done that. Could you, I mean, could you imagine, imagine, could you guys imagine if we were doing this podcast in California and we had to do the filming once a month out there and it was 1880, and uh, Colonel and I had to show up with the horse and wagons, yep. and Sephra awesome. um, yeah. had to get in, and, and we get had to load Marion in, and going through the Rockies, and we Absolutely. broke a wheel. I had to remember it all instead of filming. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right, yeah, yeah, that's marvelous. right. And, and Marion had to draw the pictures. Absolutely, right? yeah, we got so many conveniences. And it's only, what, the last 60 years that everything's gotten so much easier. Yep. And getting easier. But I don't go think ahead. it's easier. I think it's more wasteful and it's plutiful. That's not a word. I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't think those things are mutually exclusive, are they? No, but I think, well, speaking of California, we should send them some of this rain that we're getting, but that's another story. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I mean, let, let's go back to easy. It's easy, Sephra. I don't know what you mean. That, if you think if you easy had a rough life, because like, you look okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joe. <laughs> but but no. you're right on the edge. I am joyful and grateful, and, and I'm grateful for the abundance and for my friends who help me. Blessings. 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 <laughs> no, so here's what I'm saying. Okay, so people think, oh, it's easy because we have clean water that we can go buy in plastic water bottles, and people in other places are walking miles and miles and miles if and when they find clean water, right? So, I mean, yeah. you could think that's we easy, agree. but then people are like, I just did a really healthy workout. I'm drinking processed water, which is not raw water, we're, which is not good for you, and just, then you crush the plastic, and then it goes into the ocean. It's like, saying, oh, that's right, easy. We're, we're not saying, we're we're not saying it's, it's good. We're all on the same page. Oh, you guys, oh so easy's not good, but <laughs> that, that easy's was, better. So I forget what That was what the premise. His, his point was, said, don't, right? don't confuse Joe, easy with happy. Yeah, in other words. Easy doesn't make me happy, Joe. You have right, well, you're not confused clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Dean's point. We're agreeing with you, by the way. Okay. When it's when I it's when it, when it's that easy to go and buy processed water in a processed bottle that's sending it over to the landfill, and we think that's awesome. It's easy. I'm happy about that. Gross. You're exactly right. We shouldn't be happy. We with should have things. a pump handle. We have to get our own water out of the ground. Yeah. We have to well, dig the okay. hole ourselves. Okay. There's called raw. Sorry to cut you off, Carl. Yeah. But there's something called raw spring water. Daniel Vitalis. He's a rewilding expert, like I used to be yeah. last season. <laughs> Since then, now I have a new nickname or something. Um, but he, if you type in your zip code, will tell you where your closest spring water is and yep. put it in a dark colored bottle and keep it in the shade. And then, my friends, because your body's 70% water or 60 or whatever. Right, is that easier for me to do? It's healthier for you, more than food. It's just like... But, but for me to get to that water, to go to that app, to type that in, is that easy or hard for me? I don't know. Is is but, dying from processed no, 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 water no, no, and but, sickness? But, 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 but you're not yeah, understanding. Yeah. In, the old, in the old days, he would have to go use a witching rod. He would use a twig. A divining rod. A divining rod. Divining rod. Very good. Dowsers. We actually just the point that the fact that there's now an app that you can jump in and type in to find out where the closest spring water is. It's easier. So listen, listen, I want to say... I want to okay, segue right. back to Dean, and uh, and <laughs> so what Dean drinks to get through these runs. So Dean uh, got some of the old Spartan uh, drink or black soup, where yeah, yeah. they take Ooh. a little bit of wine, they mix in some blood, they've got some pig feet and so forth, and uh, he'll take a little swig of that. 
And it's it's three old ladies with with warts on their nose. (laughs) Macbeth, yeah, going toil. Toil and brew. Yeah, exactly. But but again, we have it easy now. Now you just go get a little kombucha. Well, think about it. All right, well, see, the true Spartans, right? What if your your spears at the race were 40 pounds? I don't think anyone, or your shield, 75 pounds. I mean, and didn't they used to say for Spartans, going into war was easier than their daily life? Yeah, their their daily training was brutal. I mean, Dean looks like, I mean, he is the, he's the embodiment of a Spartan. Sorry, this is this part's hard. But um, he is a Spartan. He's a Spartan. Tether. And so, wait, what's he want to do? Way, he wants to do a marathon in every country, right? Yeah, Any, that's his next that's, project. Anytime I'm at a marathon, anytime I'm at a right? marathon, I'll be I'll be I feel running. Like I'm back to Chrono. He'll be run. He runs um, to the start. Yeah. Whether it's 26 miles or 50 miles, he runs to the start and then runs the marathon. And then so runs he, home. And then runs home. Yeah. He's he runs done. to the start from where? From somewhere else. Like from he, somewhere else. He doesn't yeah. just run 26 miles. He warms up with 20 on the way there. Yep. Yep. He's um he's an animal. So, what, so yeah. So this next project, sorry, yeah. is uh, what do you say? There's 198 countries in the world. Yeah, which he, I think is really 192, but that's, but I'm sure he's done his research. Yeah. So what, 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 what whatever country, it is, he's right now going through all the uh, the paperwork nation. to get all the visas and all the permits in place so that he can run a marathon in every country in the world, and clearly be the first person who've done that. And he's partnering with Google on that, isn't he? Or I believe he's working with Google on that. Yeah, it's amazing. Is he going to wear a uh, is he going to wear a headset and map the whole? He's sure going to he carry will. a shield and a sword. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean, he, could, he, could, he could have the whole mapping thing on his <laughs> head, right? Yeah. Be, you he know. could. And, and, no, and he talks in this, too, about, um, uh, you know, running to failure and the idea that, um, that you have to be willing to go until you can't go anymore. And yet he goes out on these incredible adventures that he does finish. He did finish 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 days. But I think it's cool that he's also prepared to fail. Like, he knows that if he's always doing something that he knows he can finish, it's not enough. Yeah. Well, then you wouldn't have it's raised the bar if you were, if you were jumping over a high bar, right? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have raised the bar high enough if you if you're always getting it. Yeah, exactly. So, so you've got to push. You got to be over your skis. Yeah. And that comes back to the whole thing about keeping life easy. People will usually only take on a challenge that they're really comfortable they're going to finish. Sure. And, and talking about skis and talking about you know it starts now that we have a couple of these podcasts like Winter Vanecki, right? Her and her mom yep. did marathon and on each continent, yep. or something yep. like that. And then um and then then these running. I mean, think about Meb's father, right? He was running. We said running to failure. He was running because there. Our failure was life. not an option. For his life. Yeah, well, yeah. been walking, but and then, yeah, I get your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, love, I, I, love, I love when Colonel Nye gets cranky. <laughs> you, you can tell when we're filming in the morning versus the afternoon because we're a little, a little edgy in the morning, a little punchy in the afternoon. We're up at four thirty to get an eight o'clock start. <laughs> if, if we were we Dean Carnazzi, if we were Dean Carnazzi, we'd have been up at four thirty and we'd already be fifty miles in by now. But, so but before we cut, though, because I, I do the one thing he said, it may be a bumper sticker maybe everybody knows it but i had never heard it and i liked it where he said listen to everyone follow no one love it wow. i mean i, I thought yeah. well okay that is a bumper sticker it's a great yeah. motto and again it may be common but i had never heard it and, yeah. I, and I like it and I, and I for my life it's funny i tell my children i told my children when they were children especially through high school teenage years don't be the follower do what you're going to do right. do it well sooner or later other people will see you doing it they're going to want to follow you. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen, and that's right. exactly what did happen. Yeah. You know, because if you, if you become somebody and you're doing things and you're doing it right or you're having success, whatever that field is, other people will see that and they will gravitate towards it. You don't have to be the follower. That's yeah. awesome. So with that in mind, if you want to keep listening to us, don't have to follow us. We yeah, invite we should, you. Though. Well, we, we could. I would follow you well, into the forest. Oh, uh, I'll, give you that. Right, I'll be there. I'm going to run. I'm going to go follow Dean to uh, Zanzibar. But in the meantime, you're going to go back into the internet, right? And go to SpartanUpPodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks. 
Find show notes, video, and audio from this wonderful episode at spartanuppodcast.com backslash 069. Thank you for listening to another epic story of success. Follow us on Twitter at SpartanUpPod. The Spartan Up Podcast is brought to you by Spartan. To find a race near you, visit Spartan.com. Spartan.